Hey, you just stumbled yourself into the First Issue Club, and this week we are covering Spider-Man number one and Inferior 5 number one. Welcome to First Issue Club. I already kind of did that. Well, here's the thing. You're here mm-hmm. for every single episode mm-hmm. of First Issue Club, mm-hmm. only you can't seem to lock down our format. <laughs> <laughs> um, We've done the intros the same for so long, the rest of us say, this week we're covering Spider-Man number one and other book number one. Yeah. And then the show starts and we say, welcome to First Issue Club. Yeah. It's never been different except for when you introduce the show. I get bored. That's the reason. (laughs) It cures your boredom. It does. I think that people hear it and they say, I want to mix them up. I think people like consistency. I would agree with you. I've changed my opinion. (laughs) Welcome to First Issue Club. The First Issue Club comic book podcast. Killing it. (laughs) Where we cover number one comics weekly. We read them, we review them, and we talk about them like we're a club because we cover number ones each and every week. And we lead you through the muddy and sometimes murky waters that is the comic book landscape. And then that tagline. Yeah. I'm not sure how we landed on it, but... Do we lead you through the muddy and murky waters of the comic book landscape? I don't know if that our show really does that. Do we not deliver on our one tagline? It's it's 100% our tagline. It's the thing said with most regularity and consistency of anything else we do on this podcast. And I don't know that we do the thing that it says we do. I think that the line was created to say... Sometimes comic books be fucked up and hard to read, or the experience is not great. Yes. We will fix that for you. By sussing the BS. Yeah. And and essentially saying, here's what we enjoyed about this comic book. You should enjoy that too. Okay. I don't know. Do we deliver on that? I hope we do. In regard to first issues, we do. Yes. Yes. I'll say so, yes. Okay. And first issues are your key to the comic book world. And thank you for miming that to me, just for my immediate benefit only. Yes, I did a motion of a key unlocking. Shame you listeners missed that. In the club today, we have Budget King, that's me, and Mike D. Hi. We got a, a doozy of a comic book week this week. Spider-Man, um, we, we even prefaced it last week that we would be covering it this week. J.J. Abrams of uh, Lost alias Star Trek and Star Wars fame graced us with not only him, but his son, Hank or Henry, you choose, uh, which his name is, wrote us a Spider-Man comic book. And Jeff Lemire also brought us a big comic book. Can't wait to get into these comic books. But what do we have before that? What news is tickling the fancy of the comic book interwebs? Hit me with some Leno headlines. (laughs) Valiant has the biggest superhero universe in comics behind Marvel and DC. Now it plans to take Hollywood by storm with the help of Vin Diesel. Okay, one, 
didn't know that they had it, but that makes sense because they're all a contained universe. Fine. Okay. Yeah. Not a lot of other comics have that. Yeah. Vin Diesel, who I think plays Magic the Gathering. Um, what? Yes. I could be wrong. On Unbelievable. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? He's, oh, that makes him so much cooler to me. Yes. He seems like such a meathead who'd only be like, I like guns and cars. I think he's just a good actor. How about that? He won't be in any scenes with The Rock, though. They hate each other. Is that right? Yeah, I think they don't. They um, Vin Diesel felt like he owned The Fast and the Furious. and then I don't know exactly the feud, to be honest. I'm a rock guy, though. So I do like Vin Diesel, though. Um, okay, so am I interested in that? N- no, and I don't think most people will be. Um, so that's not going to work for them. That headline's bullshit. It's not going to save them. <laughs> it's gonna so be- th- two thumbs down on this headline. I agree. I don't think... People are going to be um, that into a bloodshot movie. No, they they should have gone with the bigger actor. All right, I like this next headline a lot. Great. Deadpool creator Rob Liefeld says Watchmen movie is better than the comics. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why does this guy say so much dumb shit? He because he stay. That's how he stays in the zeitgeist. Yeah, like it's the, like he realized that he needs to just like be a dickhead to stay relevant. Yeah. Fucking weird, man. That's like. Why? He's just like saying, it's like when that one Fox News radio host just said that like Coldplay is better than Radiohead just to get the goat of everybody. Yes. He doesn't actually believe that the Watchmen movie, which is a mediocre movie at best, uh, is better than one of the most revered comics of all time. He's just mad that everybody says he can't draw feet. Yeah. He, he does. He, have a, he has a vendetta against the world and he's like a true Trumpian troll. Great summation of Rob. I like his comics, though. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> so, I, even the newest one. Yeah. What a paradox. Yeah. And he's fit. We always bring that up, but I he, think that, sh- that should always be mentioned. Yeah, he's good looking. He's a good looking guy. I think you've called him a snack before, which I like. I'm going to take that back. He's not a snack. He's a full meal. <laughs> Next headline. Marvel unveils Don of X trailer for comic book relaunch. Okay. I've been seeing that in all my comic books. Seems cool. Havoc's on the front, right? There's a bunch of different covers. Okay. There's one with Cyclops kind of standing front and center. Mm, interesting. He looks a little like Havoc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I glanced. I didn't spend a lot of time So looking. this, yeah, I would say don't seek out this video, really. Okay. It's just like the covers you've already seen a million times in the middle of all your other comic books. Here's a thing I noticed recently. On the A covers, they'll have those like massive gatefold things yeah. that show you like all the other books that are coming out variants won't have those oh to me bigger reason as a weird collector to buy the a cover because it's a more like full and complete thing oh yeah i was gonna say and, the opposite it gets rid of the bullshit but well i like, I like where you're in that, at. in that sense it's harder to keep those things in like good condition they're like the first thing to fall apart and get bent in a book yeah or cause the pages around them to get wrinkled mm-hmm um, so if you've got one of those in a comic book in good condition, cha-ching, baby. Last headline. How House of X5 transforms gold balls into a major player. Oh, okay. So I was wrong about the white Magneto thing. I don't think you were wrong about it. I think it's just additive. Well, here's the thing. We had white Magneto being debuted alongside gold balls so it's at least consistent 
with the Bendis run and timeline mm-hmm. that were being given in House of X. This is what the Patreon is sometimes like. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Greg do this like once every week or so where we recap that series. It is just us overanalyzing all the little nuances of it. I love that. I need to listen to it to know if I need to buy two of these first issues that are sitting in my comic book store to basically show me how good gold Wait, balls so is. did you skip on that first appearance? Skip them, yeah. Oh. And buy it. Did I lead you to that decision? I had bought a cover where it's all of the state birds. Shitting on Deadpool. Shitting on Deadpool of the same comic, and I thought to myself, it's enough that I own that. I yeah. don't need to also own the A cover. Okay. Um, I don't think the cover I bought will be worth anything, but I'm not going to sell it. It's in my collection. It's fine. I could find out that, you know, should have bought this at $5 and it becomes $30 next week. Right. So, whatever. I don't need 60 bucks. I'm made of money. You weren't going to sell it. (laughs) I wasn't going to sell it. And on that note, (laughs) let's get this podcast started. First up, we got Spider-Man by J.J. Abrams, Henry Abrams, you can call him Hank if you want, and Sarah Pacelli. What's up with you can call him Hank if you want? (laughs) Because I called him Hank in the last episode. Okay. And I don't think... Was it as a goof or a gag? (laughs) (laughs) It was an accident. you prepared? (laughs) It was an accident. (laughs) But nobody knows this person, so call him Hank if you want. You're 100% right. No pre-established entity. Like, why does it matter that he's writing this with his pop-up? Not at all. It, it matters in, in in zero. So call him whatever you want. Do call, we, call him Baby Abrams. Do we know how old Baby Abrams is? Let me bring this up to you, too. This is why I respect... Are you going to answer my question, though? 15, I think. Okay. This is why I respect the motherfucking hell out of Joe Hill. Joe Hill has written The Cape. He's written a ton of, like, awesome comic books. Yes. You know who Joe Hill... He wrote Lock and Key? Yes. Joe Hill is... The son of Stephen King. Oh, fuck. I did not know that. You didn't know that? No. Took a fucking other alias because he didn't want to live in his father's shadows. Holy and shit. proved his life as a badass. Wow. You didn't know that? No. Yeah. Not what Henry Abrams did. Hank. No. <laughs> He's riding his daddy's coattails. Mm-hmm. So those of you who don't know, this book is written by J.G. Abrams, the, the uh, illustrious, very talented... Uh, director of cinema and television changed both of the mediums to how we know it today and his I think 15 year old son do you think J.J. Abrams was like I don't know how to write a 15 year old boy did you read the letter in the back no I didn't so it explains a little bit of this okay Person at Marvel in 2003, after watching Alias, was super pumped to say, I want to bring people that don't write comics into the comic book world and change the medium forever. Had an email for J.J. Abrams, writes him a little letter. J.J. Abrams says, yes, I think I want to do that, but I got another thing 
going lost or whatever. Lost, he, yeah. yeah. All that kind of stuff. <laughs> in that time period, they keep connected. He says, interestingly enough, my son's into comics. Guy at Marvel sends him a box of comics, like a ton of them, I guess. And then like two years ago, they have a conversation and J.J. Abrams is like, I got a thing that I think about or I have an idea. Uh, I, we, we could write a comic book, but I would write it with my son who is now into comics. And then there, that's how we have this comic. I did this like long spiel once on like different categories of like when celebrities or people who don't typically write comic books write comics and they fall into like tip buckets typically. Yeah. And one of those buckets seems to be like homage to comic books, which is my least favorite, the yes. worst bucket of all of them. Mm-hmm. And father son relationship and being like 15 year old into comic books kind of seems homage to comic booky. Yes, it does. I have a great relationship with my father. Love him. Love every moment we get to hang out together. Yep. That does not be need to be on display for the world, nor would I expect anybody <laughs> to give a shit about that. But I will say that the story in this book kind of subverted my expectations of what I thought I was going to get from yes, and, and, and uh, Papa and Baby. And one thing that I, I think that is, and I, I believe this, I think young people are not only the future, but I think they're much smarter than their older peers. I think they understand culture and technology in the world better. And ho- I hope they do because they're going to need to fix this planet. Yep. And I think there was some certain elements of like young, fresh takes on this comic book that you could have only gotten had you given the keys to a 15-year-old. And so color me a little bit surprised. Sure. I agree with that. You want to get into what the book's about? Yeah. Give me, give me a quick hitter. Mary Jane is dead. We immediately find out that her and Peter had a son together. Flash forward to the future. Peter's been in and out of his son's life. Our assumption, I think, though, is that he's retired from being Spider-Man. And now his young son, um, around the age of 15, is finding himself inheriting some of these superhero powers. Sticking to walls. I'm showing Mike a hand. And I'm assuming that means sticking to walls? No, it means Spider-Man has a hook. Yeah, lost his hand. <laughs> he lost his hand and he looks like a 126 days later guy or whatever. Yes. That yeah. Um, yeah, Spider-Man has a hook for a hand. Peter Parker does, I guess. Yep. Because there's going to be two Spider-Mans in this book. Let's start with this for a question for you. Okay. As a spider head, a web head. Yep. Was there anything in this book that was like homage big thing to the Spider-Verse. It seemed like such an outsider perspective on what Spider-Man can or could be. The naming of characters being Ben is like a theme that like always comes up in like tons of Spider-Man things. Okay. Passing that name on. Which was his uncle's name. Right. So it didn't, it didn't do much. No, which is refreshing to me. My, oh, you like that. My worst case scenario would have been this starts with Uncle Ben fucking dying. We've actually talked about that on this comic book podcast about we've had other, com- other reboots of Spider-Man that don't start with Uncle Ben dying and they are phenomenal. Yeah. This starts with something you know and then wipes the entire dry erase board of everything you thought you knew about Spider-Man within like a couple pages. In no other story 
have I seen Spider-Man have a son? It's like always a daughter. Cool. Or multiple daughters. There's been like all kinds of different parallel universe things. Never a son. So that's rad. Yeah. And uh, Ben Parker right. doesn't know he's Spider-Man yet. So we're essentially you're getting a comic book with like a brand new character. Right. Do you know if this is his first appearance? Yes, it is. Okay. You say that with such confidence, but now you're questioning. You never know if there's some like weird what if somewhere. Okay. There is this like Spider Girl 38 that's like specking for some reason. Oh. Um, that I just want to like make sure we're not incorrect on. I think I'd Here we go. Spider Girl 59, the first appearance of Benjamin Benji Parker, the son of Peter and Mary Jane in the MC2, the universe that spun off from What If number 105. So th- straight from the babe's mouth, you were right. Uh, it was a weird what if, so you, you got yourself questioning. Okay. Um, but yes, this is not his first appearance. Spider Girl 59 is technically... Oh, God. Benji Parker's first appearance. What a joke. That comic book right now online for everybody that listens to this podcast is, as of last week, upwards of $45. (laughs) But two weeks ago was $3 in your comic book store. (laughs) Uh, Here's a 90, here's a 75, there's a 64, here's a 100. Motherfucker. Today's the wrong day to buy that comic book. It's 100% the (laughs) wrong day to buy that comic book. I don't think it'll ever be worth more than that, and I don't think that Ben Benji Parker is here to stay. Really? I mean, this comic book seems to be about Ben Parker. I mean, it seems like... I was actually going to say, the Spider-Man, the title of this comic book, is... About Benji Parker? is not about Peter Parker. I think that we're going to get a comic book about Ben Parker. I think you're right, but I also think that this entire series, bargain bin. Oh, okay, got it. In five years. I don't think people are going to... I ultimately don't think this will be like culturally or comic book significant. The comic book that J.J. Abrams writes that gets you know extended past his miniseries and goes on and people like it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I sound like a huge idiot in a while, but like I've seen a lot of things stick around through Spider-Man and this just doesn't seem like something that is going to keep on keeping on. You know what sucks? I'm like, there's just so many Spider-Man Elseworld things going on right now. And I don't know that I've yeah got time in my life for this one. The fir- This issue was fine. I agree. I liked it. I liked it for the sense that they put Peter Parker and Mary Jane on the cover by the way, maybe worst cover I've seen all year. <laughs> you think so? Awful. Awful cover. Yeah, that's kind of a shitty cover, actually. Yeah, I agree. For a great book. I mean, not a great book. I, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was a really quick read in a good way. Yep. I thought this uh, introduction of this um, Asian character that we get that could be the love interest of Ben. Mm-hmm. Um Quirky, fun, I kind of like that kind of stuff, like Scott Pilgrim-y, yep. uh, like love interest, so that that was intriguing to me. Um, there's elements of stuff. Do I care about Ben Parker? Not really. 
that they, they, they didn't deliver on that. Yeah. I really care about what the fuck Peter Parker's doing with old hook arm and like flying all over the universe and just being like deadbeat dad, I guess. That's the thing. I'm more interested in Peter Parker still. Same. Okay. But I think that the story is like and 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 what a cock tease to make it a dad and son book, written dad and son book, and then oh but this book's really about the son of Spider-Man. Go, like, what? Are they... <laughs> Do you think they're going to rekindle their relationship? They're going to bond over this. Uh, JJ and Hank? No, not Papa and Baby. Um, you think Peter, Peter and Ben? Yes. Are going to rekindle their relationship of him becoming Spider-Man? Yeah. Seems like they set up some... They're going to fight crime together? N- no. They have the chance to avenge Mary Jane's death. The villain is still around. The villain is still around. And he's making a woman in a tube? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what I was to gather from that? Yes. He's tube making. Yes. That villain, I think, is a a Spider-Man villain. I sound ignorant right now, but I... I don't know. Maybe I sound like I'm not the mega Spider-Man fan. I'm supposed I, I to be I am right not now. going to hold it against you that but, you did not know that this was Ben Parker's first appearance. <laughs> Is this going to be the second dagger in my title right now? Uh, th- this villain I did not know or care about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Seems like kind of faceless villain. Super Seems powerful like, robot, robot. Right. I would have thought that like it could the villain could potentially never come back. Aside from that scene where we got a little tease at him being a creep. Mm-hmm. So we know he plays some part. Yeah. It makes sense to keep him alive. I, Kill, like, just leaving that villain on the table would be like killing Darth Maul. And it's like, you've got this awesome villain who fucked somebody's shit up that you care about in the movie. Like, why would you kill him immediately? Agreed. Bring him back for something badass later on. J.J. Abrams has contributed media to my lifetime that I hold some of the most precious. Okay. I I think of him as like a very influential person in my life because of the media that he has created. Yes. So him writing this book, I am for sure going to pick it up and read it. But it does not guarantee it's good. So you would say you were maybe more stoked on this because it was a J.J. Abrams book. Oh, and you were more stoked because it was a Spider-Man book? Because that that's going to blow my mind. That does not outweigh J.J. Abrams writing. No, not that it was a Spider-Man book, just like stoked at all. Okay. Oh, you weren't even stoked. Yes. No, very, I could care less about this. Concept, very excited. And, and if you think about it, Joss Whedon, who has made some great movies, yep. also made great comics. Yes. Before he did the movies. And so it seems like they could go back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and that, you know, maybe J.J. Abrams could come from that world and come down to here. Not for everybody, though. I, I don't think this is bad. I think it has some potential and some really good moments. But, like, is it a masterpiece? And we essentially have, you know, one of the most influential artists of our time writing this comic book. Yeah, it should be a masterpiece. I'm going to say it. This should be a masterpiece. And you had two years to fucking write it. Frankly, you had from 2003 to write this, and you came up with this. This is a great comic book for somebody that's a nobody coming out of comic book school writing a comic book. This is a great comic book for a 15-year-old to write. This is not a great comic book for J.J. Abrams to have written. Here's my other beef with the book. 
We've seen white teenage Spider-Man yes, before. Yes, thank you. Preach it. We saw Miles Morales figure out he had Spider-Man powers. We saw Peter Parker figure out he had Spider-Man we powers. We've seen it in every movie. We've seen like, Gwen figure out she had Spider-Man powers. I don't need to see They that. got through it quick. That's my one thing that, like, I didn't bring that up in, like, the tropey Spider-Man things because it was like, I'm stuck to a wall, and then they moved on. Thank you, Abrams family. Yeah, don't... don't There's no room for this in... The spectrum, and of I guess Spider-Man. they gave they gave her they gave him an Asian lo- love interest. So good job there, I guess. <laughs> but like, it almost makes that decision seem more calculated. It absolutely does. It one hundred percent does. Yeah, you know. So yeah, I I, I felt that too. Are they going to get dinged on it? I haven't seen that that chatter. No. Well, we're saying it here. Neither am I. That's a, that's that to me is leading through some muddy and murky shit proven wrong <laughs> can i put you on a different spider-man concept okay spider-man but with antlers don't say that no i'm not gonna okay. say that no, no, no. that's a great idea though i should <laughs> work it into something um spider-man goes to vegas and he uses his spider sense like he somehow fine tunes it to card count and he just like makes a bunch of money at Vegas with just his spider sense. Yeah. And occasionally he's a he gets a really selfish version of Spider Man. And he gets into some trouble and he needs to use some of his powers to like defend himself, but his main thing is like I'm gonna exploit this one tiny power that doesn't For really gambling. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing no. when to pull his card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> It's a better reaction than I thought I would get for that idea. <laughs> Instead of the sensational Spider-Man, it's the selfish Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're writing it, baby. <laughs> Perfect. And that's all I have to say about Spider-Man. Ditto. <laughs> Next up, we got Inferior 5, number one, out on DC Comics by Keith Giffen, Jeff Lemire, Michelle Delakey, and a bunch of other people on this comic book. Mike D., what is Inferior 5, number one? Confusing, too, by the way, to have two numbers. It is confusing to have two numbers. (laughs) And there didn't seem to be an Inferior 5, at least that I'm aware of. I can, you want me to tell you a little bit about? I would love some context in history if that helps. Okay. Or I didn't have it and I still enjoyed this book. Absolutely. I think, let me just give you a little bit of context that might even make this better for you. Okay. Keith Giffen, he actually was a writer of this event. Invasion. Yeah, referenced several times throughout this as an actual DC comic book. A DC comic book in the 1980s. This comic book takes place after that. I had some questions about what the time period was because they go to a record store that's like selling vinyl. Yes. And I'm like, so this is somewhere in the 70s or 80s. Mm -hmm. Okay. Although that happens now, so it could be 2019 (laughs) or 780s. (laughs) Sure. Um, But yes, okay. Happens after that. The Inferior Five was an old, old, old comic book, uh, like Justice League-esque, okay. um, that existed, I think, in the 30s or something like that. And Peacemaker is one of those Inferior Five. Okay. That is, you don't need to know that to read this comic book. And I think they did a good job of making sure you didn't need to know this in the comic book. Now, what happens in this comic book? We've got family that's moved out of Metropolis after the death of... 
the father. And then we find ourselves in this weird small town wherein a lot of single mothers are ending up. And those single mothers are dying. Being presumably killed by a creepy little kid wearing a bag over his head that has an X painted on it. That only says nursery rhyme. Yes. Really scary. Very scary. Good, like, good job in making a scary both superhero and scary comic book. Yeah. There's another storyline of aliens who have, like, seemingly kind of figured out that this is happening. I was confused by the person who was talking like a robot or trying to convince people that she was a normal human. Yes. I think that that's the, like, tip of the hat that they're an alien. Yeah. Like a body snatcher type of thing. Right. This comic book has so much going on, and I think that, like, we have, like, hit on it, but we'll just say it. Okay. You don't need to know any of the bullshit DC stuff in this. It's kind of amazing to me that DC let this comic book out, because it, it's just a really cool indie book that happens to be published by DC with, like, snippets of DC references. Couldn't have put it better. If, if you don't know Jeff Lemire, I'm just going to tell you some things that he writes uh, really quickly. I know we do this sometimes. He did Royal City, Descender, Black Hammer, Plutona, Trillium, Essex County, Sweet Tooth, um, and some other things there. He is one of my favorite writers. We've talked about him a lot here. He got really famous for doing Animal Man on DC. When you put these comic books together, the the Spider-Man and Inferior 5, number one, I think you show what being in the comic book industry for a while and really like learning the art can do and can like flex and can be. And you show that it's like not for everybody and that there are some people who really are talented and understand the medium and that like you can't just waltz in and write a comic book if you don't have the chops to actually do it. Jeff Lemire is one of the best comic book writers. Oh, Gideon Falls. I didn't say that one. Oh, Eisner Award winning. Yeah. Um, just in, insane. Underwater Welder is another one that he wrote. Um, yep. It just, it, yeah. Hits after hits after hits. An amazing writer. Um, he wrote Hawkeye for a minute too. This comic book had so much Jeff Lemire in it. Just like crazy, but also hometown feel like about a city, yeah. about like relationships, about family. Um, and then also like weird and horror. He also does the art. We didn't say this. There's like a six or seven page panel about Peacemaker, who is this like superhero that's going to come and try to rescue the town seemingly. Right. That Jeff Lemire does all of the artwork for, and it is fucking phenomenal. Right. I love his artwork. And I think stylized is like a word that is shitty to sometimes say because it just means you don't draw things like <laughs> to like the perfect form that they are. His artwork is great. And yes, like the faces might look different than a human face. Good. It's a fucking drawing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bring it to this is like just like the argument for why the new Lion King sucks. The animated one has so much like character and swing to it. Because it's a fucking cartoon. Yeah. We're telling a story about like lions stabbing each other in the back. Like, do they need to look like real lions? Does that add anything to it? No. It takes away from it. Yes. Um, the fact that like people don't realize that is weird. Yes, completely. So if you took pictures of real people standing in the positions of <laughs> the characters in the comic book and that was the art in the comic book like duh they're worse <laughs> exactly that's, that's re- a really shitty idea yeah this comic book had so much happening that i was just like 
oh man, I just fell in love with a new DC book like that I have to read. It's 12 books long and I'm so excited to see. I don't think we really hit on everything that's happening. We're kind of just gushing over it. No, a lot of tension and suspense. This book was definitely more vibe and feeling for me than it was anything else. Mm-hmm. There's like some good setup and we got to know some of the characters and, and we know that it's eerie. And then all the rest of it is just questions and blanks posed that we need to get filled in. But great first issue in the sense that it got me like really hooked, but really didn't give anything away. Agreed. I read a critique on this comic book that hated it because I'm not sure if they saw a solicitation, a pitch, or somebody told them that it would be Stranger Things meets um, Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. And he was like, people just, everything wants to be Stranger Things. It's not. And like, it doesn't deliver on that in, in any way. Uh, and it doesn't do justice to the DC uh, things or whatever. And I say that's fine if you read this first one and you know it's not for you. Jeff Lemire has a certain style that, you know, your casual Batman fan, you may not dig it. Right. It definitely is weird and a vibe. I think that, yeah. like, yeah. Also, the artwork in the first part of it, it makes me feel like the city's very, like, apocalyptic, but closed and, like, contained. And, like, I feel, like, claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way that the art is drawn. And I just, I don't often get that from comic books, like truly feeling in it. This is one where I'd love to see one of those like director's cut versions where they show some of the actual artwork next to the script. Mm-hmm. And you see the person's direction for what they want the page to look like and how the panel should be set up. Because this town is so desolate and has obviously been like wrecked by war. Or this alien invasion, right? As our characters are walking down the street, it kind of seems like there's only 20 people that live in this city. <laughs> and there's like, like, how is a comic book shop and a record store still open in yeah. this town when it's been just like decimated mm-hmm. and is falling apart by the seams? Um, it's, it's completely got a post-apocalyptic look, which again, kind of added to that uneasy feeling of like I can't quite get my bearing in this world and I'm not sure what's going to happen next or how safe everybody is. it's not a post-apocalypse. I guess it kind of is. It's like in the aftermath of invasion. It's in the aftermath of invasion and stuff's wrecked but like people are trying to continue on with life as normally as they can and contrasting those two like the American dream, but in like a piece of shit town that's like a b- demolished is like a really weird thing to contrast. What do you think about uh, the scene in the comic book store where the little kid is like reading about Invasion DC, actually reading a DC comic in the comic book store? I'll say I loved the transition of that because you yourself as the reader read an entire page of that comic book before learning that it's just a kid who's like looking at that page in a comic book shop. But then they say, why do I want to read a comic book about what actually happened? That's depressing. So you have this moment of like, oh wait, was that just a comic book? No, wait, this is reality. And there's a comic book about the reality. It's bizarre. Mm -hmm. It's bizarre. A lot of little things that are just like, 
I, you don't see in comics very often that were, again, just, I, I think, little unsettling, I, I, odd touches. I don't know if this makes great podcast material, but the setup of Peacemaker as, like, the hero that's going to come, of just, like, him being, like, almost insane, but just, like, going on this secret mission to figure out was, like, I was like, oh, I'm invested in that <laughs> weird ass character that has like a helmet that makes no sense which they like kind of even make fun of yeah before we wrap up i want to say that i also read you are obsolete number one. Oh yeah fantastic read cool it's a book on aftershock i really dug this book so much so that we may do a patreon on it i'm okay. not sure i'll check it out we also read steeple which is the writer and illustrator of Giant Days, which yeah. I really enjoyed, but a lot of people that I've given that to have had a hard time with it. I think Steeple's a little bit of an easier read yep. from what I'm gathering. So a lot of good books this week. Yep. I would agree. Um, I've got a number one that you didn't get today. Oh. That I just made, wanted to make sure you got. Oh. <laughs> you know, I didn't get this number one today. Uh, of Evil Ernie Straight to Hell. Yep. Um, which we know is the first appearance of... Chastity! Yes. So I now have this in my possession. It's a wonderful cover. And I hear it's not bad. It gets better. Open that up and check a look at the what the cover really is. Ooh. One, look at the back cover. Ho, ho, ho. This is when they made comics. Yeah. 1995. <laughs> this is when comics were comics. Oh, it is a fucking fold-out coffin. <laughs> I still don't know what Evil Ernie is, but I am so glad that I own this. Well, I'll say the first page is like... Wow. A novel. Wow. <laughs> this Evil Ernie book is is fire so far. You're gonna, It's great. Oh, it's man. honest to God. Are we going to be Evil Ernie fans? Yes. You read you read the first page of this, which explains you Evil Ernie's entire history, and you're going to be like, oh, this was made for me. The, but the person that we described that reads Evil Ernie is a person that I don't want to be. Right. So We were wrong. Okay. You know what? We've been wrong before. 100% we have. Uh, cool. Well, this may keep me on chastity. I hope so. <laughs> That's all I can hope for. What a great book. Thank you, Mike. Hey, no problem. Uh, 1995, back yeah. when they knew how to write comics. Yeah, that's exactly right. I've been saying it this whole time. <laughs> Two ninety nine too, for this. And originally, I know you paid more. Yeah. But what a steal. You, you found that in your comic book shop? Yeah. And that does it. Was this an episode? <laughs> <laughs> that little part right there? Well, all of it. Yeah, we got a clean episode. You I mean, think so? Hardly any edits. Okay. Yeah. Sp. Sp. I think we got a nice clean episode. We didn't even do the thing where it's like, it's just two of us. Sure, they're cool. It's just two yeah, of us. Yeah, you're right. No shtick needed. <laughs> yeah. We're used to it. We're yeah. pros by now. There's two people here. Get over it. <laughs> cool. Is it? Bye. This has been another episode of First Issue Club. We are a proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is provided by Primary Color Music. 
We are recorded in KCUR Studios. You can find us, rate us, friend, and follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, email, and your favorite listening platforms at First Issue Club, F-I-R-S-T.